Hello, we are the three stars, and this is another episode of the Florida State of Recruiting podcast. My name is Tim Allenball, and I am joined by two of Tomahawk Nation's finest, the recruiting experts themselves, Josh Pick. Josh, how are you this fine evening? I uh, see that you use the term finest very loosely, Tim. I try, Josh. I try. And uh, truly finest, maybe not like Josh, but truly the finest, David Stout. David, how are you, my man? I'm doing well. Uh, 30 minutes ago, I found out that it was Wednesday. Uh, I thought it was Tuesday for the majority of the day, so I'm excited that it is Wednesday. Hey, you're one more day closer to another Florida State loss. Oh. <laughs> Yay. It seems like it was just yesterday, fellas. We were recording after the Notre Dame game, and I was talking about how besides the win, it couldn't have been a more perfect storm for Florida State. And here we are two and a half, three weeks later, thinking, my gosh, could this team have started out with a worst, uh, a worse start for this season? It's awful. It, it is incredible to say that up to this point, Florida State 0-3 with a loss to Jacksonville State with a game in which they were not competitive at all with Wake Forest, has still yet to lose a commitment, which is mind-blowing. David, let me start with you real quick. If you're Florida State, what do you have to say to keep this class as is and add more, like 95% intact? Yeah, so funny story. I was talking to my wife about it, and I was like, you know, we were talking about this this perfect storm at Notre Dame, this perfect storm. And it felt so weird saying that after a loss, and I'll probably never say it again after what has happened since. But I was like, yeah, perfect storm. Turns out we were just in the eye of the hurricane. We were completely (laughs) deceived. It was calm. And then it shifted a little bit and we're like, oh, okay, now we're in the hurricane. Um, so yeah, it, it has been horrible the last two weeks. We talked about couldn't have gone much better aside from a win after Notre Dame. And right now it could not be much worse on the football field. But yeah, like you said, Tim, remarkably, we have not had a decommitment from the class yet. And what's really cool, and, and we'll kick it over to Josh in a minute to kind of go through um, reaction by reaction from some of the recruits and what they've said on social media and to, you know, in interviews with the media and all that. But I mean, they're saying all the right things, but they are walking the talk. They're staying committed. They're rallying around the program. It's been really cool to see. And so, you know, I've been on record as saying, um, you know, the, the main pitch that FSU has right now outside of their family environment, because they are still preaching the family environment and the relationships, which we know they have done extremely well with, and, and the, the kids have even talked about how much they like the environment, even in a losing atmosphere at Notre Dame, um, how crazy it was. But the other thing that they're, in my opinion, if it was me, I would talk about playing time and I would sell playing time like you wouldn't believe. And I am, um, I hate the recruiting pitch of ever promising a kid a starting position. I think that's just disingenuous, it's dishonest, and it's an insult to all the other players and coaches on your team. But when it's reality, <laughs> I mean, if, you know, if I, I've, I've said in the threads, like if I'm Alex Atkins, after every practice, I'm calling uh, Elijah Pritchett and Julian Armella and saying, okay, when, when you get here, as long as you work hard and practice, you're probably going to start from day one because it's just the truth at this point. Um, and so I'm, I'm fully in favor of a youth movement. I'm hoping that we see that. I don't know that we will, but I'm hoping that we see it as the uh, season goes on. It's time to play all the young guys. It's time to play the guys with the higher ceilings and the ones who are actually going to impact your future. 
And recruits are going to be watching that. And, um, you know, one thing they can sell is they go through game film with recruits. You know, they can show whoever the starter is at the position that the recruit wants to play and say, okay, this is the guy. This is the guy you got to beat out. Do you think you can beat him out? And chances are, based on the talent level and the buy-in right now, they probably can beat some of them out. Um, and so that's what I'm rolling with at this stage. But it's been really cool to see guys like Travis Hunter and Rodney Hill and Quayshon Sapp come out, uh, Kanai Charlton, come out, be very, very vocal um, right from the get-go. And then you've seen guys like A.J. Duffy, um, Omar Graham. Like it's It's been really cool to see them rally around things. But, you know, as these losses pile up, it's going to be interesting to see, do they stick to their word? I think they will, as long as um, wins and records, wins and loss record is concerned. What worries me is staffing changes, potential staffing changes, because I think this class is built on relationships. And so if they do make any changes on the staff, um, we'll see if that changes things. Yeah, and, and to your point, the youth movement is so important. And what I think is a necessity to help say, sell that playing time, because you, you can't really sell playing time if your team is terrible and you're not giving the young kids a chance. So I think that that's something that we're going to have to see Norvell. Uh, I mean, we've, we've seen some practice reports from Tommy and a couple of the other guys on the beat that have said that players like Jackson West and uh, Kevin Knowles and other are, they're, they're doing well in practice and yet we're not seeing them on the field yet. And I think it's important to see those guys get the playing time to continue to basically use that sales pitch. Like, look, we will play you if you get here. So uh, Josh, David brought up that we've seen some of the reactions from some of the recruits and it's, it's been mostly positive in, in, the, in the face of, of this negative season. But let's start with Travis Hunter, number one. Um, I, I personally think as long as Travis Hunter stays committed that you're going to keep the majority of this class together. Um, he was he was on I think an Instagram stream recently or Instagram live Josh is that right yep and uh I think he basically said I'm 100% locked in or, or something to that effect Josh anything else there no I mean he's, he's just been tried and true the whole way and he said I don't care if they go in 10 I'm going to go to Florida State and credit to Mike Norvell and, and Marcus Woodson for wrapping that one up early and getting in there very good with the family and another good sign that Florida State is committed yeah, and, and right behind uh, Hunter, I think A.J. Duffy is probably the second most important recruit. I mean, you could probably argue, as much as I love Travis Hunter, A.J. Duffy might be the most important recruit in this class. Uh, he's having a stellar season at IMG. Uh, he's not a super vocal kid, but uh, he came out still supporting Florida State. Josh, I don't know if the, the exact words, but it was just a tweet, and also he's been mentioned in some of the, the group chats, right? Yeah, and just, you know, I know we're having a rough season, wish it was better, but there's a lot of stuff out of their control. And I think this is a big, a big thing is that the coaches weren't promising that Florida State was going to be awesome this year. And, you know, even though the, Fort, the Notre Dame game gave a lot of hope, I think they, they kept it real with recruits and we're not going to be great this year. And we still have a lot of holes we need to fill. And that's why we're going so hard after you guys. We believe you guys are the, the class that can really turn this thing around. And great to hear from Duffy. He's becoming more and more vocal. And as David's mentioned time and again, like this staff continues to get these guys on campus multiple times, which is great. Uh, another one of the vocal leaders of the class is running back Rodney Hill. Unfortunately, I believe he has a fracture in his foot, going to be out for the rest of the season. But 
Uh, he's probably been one of the most vocal, uh, even more than Hunter here recently, especially with the struggles with Florida State. Josh, he's been all over social media and, and doing some interviews as well, showing his support, right? Yeah, Rodney, Rodney Hill's been 100% the whole time. And as we've talked about, underrated on and off the field. And he's really going after Kevin Coleman and A.J. Duffy's on that train as well. Like, we got to get Kevin Coleman in here. Yeah, and one thing really quickly, we, we do want to send our best wishes to Rodney. Uh, really tough break that he got hurt the way he did, but, um, and, you know, very likely that he's not going to be able to play the rest of his senior season. But uh, heal up, young buck, and uh, we can't wait to see you in Tallahassee. Yeah, and one of the last highlights we saw of him was him playing defense and just showing incredible effort. He was like 20 yards behind the play, chased the guy down, tackles him out of bounds. Just like, this is what we're missing at Florida State right now. Guys that are willing to give it their all no matter what, even if hope is seemingly lost. Yeah, that's uh, that is a big need. Speaking of underrated commitments, uh, Omar Graham, who is coming in as a linebacker, has been a star all over the field this year on offense and defense for his team. But he's also been somebody that's been uh, pretty vocal in stepping up, saying that he's remaining committed to Florida State and and is locked in as well, Josh. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we never know what's going to happen with Chris Marv. Obviously, there's a good relationship between Marv and Graham and some of the coaches down there at Stranahan. But I think Omar Graham's coming to Florida State no matter what. And he, he even said, like, it doesn't matter, like, that this team's losing. It almost makes me want to get up there even more quickly and get on the field and, and prove these guys that this is why we're coming. We're coming to turn this thing around. And that was kind of cool to see. Like, it's almost like added fuel that this team is struggling this year. And everybody's like, these guys should be flipping. What are they doing? And they're not going to be able to hold this class together. Like, it's almost like, watch this. We're going to prove you guys wrong. And, and, and honestly, that's the mindset that these coaches really have to be putting out to these guys. Let's talk a few more. Uh, Jalen Early, uh, Quayshon Sapp, uh, Kenya Charlton, all very important pieces of this offensive line class. Josh, a couple of them in an in a Instagram, Instagram, what am I saying? An Instagram stream together there talking about their commitment to Florida State, but all three uh, have shown that they are, are still committed and, and look to be sticking to that commitment. Yeah, and a lot of people were worried about Sapp. He visited Florida last weekend for the Alabama game, but he's just down there to see one of his buddies play, even though he's decked out in the Florida gear. I still think that, that Sapp's 100% to Florida State, and he's you know a big Florida State fan, loves Alex Atkins, just like Jalen Early. Jalen Early's there with Jarrell Powers down in Duncanville. They're coming up to Florida State. They're all about it. Um, another kid that we didn't even mention, offensive lineman, Dotry Richardson, last oh, yeah. night rocking the Florida State gear on social media. So. These kids seem seemingly are locked in. And as you said at the beginning, like Travis Hunter's the glue that holds this thing all together. And if, if Travis Hunter's going to go to Florida State, why, you know, why can't we go with him and turn help turn this thing around? Let me real quick drop a props to uh, if you go out to Travis Hunter's Twitter, go to his, I think it's his likes. Uh, there's an interview with the coach at Collins Hill and Collins Hill, uh, kind of a bio there. And they have a great piece on Travis Hunter. He is everything you want in a commitment to your class, even if he wasn't this stud on the field. They talk about how he takes time to help teach younger kids, how he's the ultimate teammate, and just how he's an encourager. And, and also, it's funny, and I don't know if this plays into it. I might just be speculating here, but Collins Hill, just like three to four years ago, was like three and 10 or something crazy like that. And then they turned it around and made it to the state finals. And this year, they're they're, you know, a lot for making the playoffs and they're going to be competing for the state crown again. I almost wonder if Travis Hunter sees, uh, you know, that parallel between Collins Hill and their struggles in Florida State 
and seeing himself as somebody that can help turn that class or turn the school around just like he did at Collins Hill. But go check that out on Travis Hunter's Twitter. Josh, let's flip it around. Let's talk about maybe some commitments that are not as secure. Um, David, let me go to you quick. Uh, Alou Ball, somebody we've talked about for a while, even before the season started. Uh, he, he is definitely uh, interested in Georgia and has shown some flirtation there and somebody that's been very silent on social media since the season. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. I got a, I got a, there was a post in one of the stories that was like, you know, North Road through is trying to get Bob to decommit. And I'm like, are you <laughs> okay? Yeah, sure. Um, bah humbug to you, sir. But yeah, I, I want Ba to stick in the class. There's no doubt about it. I, I really like him as a prospect. I think he gives you, you know, a nice, um, in a pinch, if you have to cross train him at tackle, I think he can play a little bit of right tackle for you. So I want him to stick in the class. And obviously he already has a really good relationship with AJ Duffy. I, you know, as many IMG guys as you can have is always a plus, but um, you know, I keep talking about him because when he first committed and even right before he committed, nonstop showing the love to Florida state, talking about him in interviews and, and on social media, all these things, how much he loves Atkins, how much he loves Norvell, how much he loves Tallahassee, all these kinds of things. And then it's gone silent. And it, it, where it started to go silent is in that, you know, the, the June and July period where FSU started picking up all these really nice offensive line commitments. Um, and so it could have been a situation similar to Nico Marchio, uh, where he said, yeah, I'm totally fine with you recruiting other people at my position. Um, and then you see who the other people are and you start thinking, wow, I, these guys might be better than me. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if I can beat these guys in the end. Um, now I don't know if Ba is thinking that, but my hunch is that he's looking at the numbers in the class and he's thinking, wow, there's a lot of offensive linemen coming in. He's looking at other classes where potentially there aren't as many offensive linemen, and maybe he's looking at other classes where he could potentially play offensive tackle, um, whereas we know that Florida State is looking at him more on the interior section. So um, he's one that I definitely have had my eye on, and I do still expect that he will decommit. I really hope I'm wrong on that. I'd love to see him at Florida State. Um, I think he has a very high ceiling. And, and two other names that I, I have um, – long worried about uh is sam mccall and again he says all the right things but i i don't know man there's just something there's something bugging me about that and um i don't know he he's still uh he talks to alabama he still talks to lsu i don't know that florida would flip him but he is still talking to florida um so i don't know there there's something about mccall that i just again love to see him at florida state uh, especially to help with that Cormani McLean connection in 2023, but I don't know. Um, he's one that I'm going to be watching. And then um, we also know that uh, Tay Woody, uh, who committed to Florida State over the summer, very versatile offensive and defensive lineman. Um, Auburn has not given up on him, and, and he is from Alabama, and so I'm sure that there is some in-state pressure there. Uh, he did go out and visit Auburn, but he has said that he wants to come out to at least one more game in Tallahassee. And so um, I'm not as worried about him as I am the other two names on there, but it is something to watch uh, because, again, Alabama is one of those states. It's not quite a Mississippi or a Louisiana when it comes to in-state pressure, but 
if you're a top prospect in that state, you're hearing from the community. And so um, we'll see what happens there. He's one that uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he did flip eventually. It also wouldn't surprise me if he stuck around because um, I think Alex Atkins has a really good connection with him. So those are the three names that I'm kind of watching. Um, and, you know, again, they could be vocal on social media. Maybe they're not vocal. Um, just because they're not vocal doesn't mean they're not feeling things. But in a Lou Ba's case, he was so vocal early on and then it stopped. So you just can't help but notice that kind of stuff. Yeah, just a couple of things. And Woody, obviously, it makes sense being, you know, from Alabama that Auburn would be a big, big time player there. And especially when Auburn started their season off so nicely going up and, you know, playing with Penn State and giving them all they wanted and more. And uh, so Auburn's obviously going to be in the mix all the way there, but you can't afford to lose Ba and Woody. Like if Ba goes, then Woody needs to stay, or if, you know, Woody goes, maybe Ba firms up his commitment or something like that. And um, yeah, the other thing is, I think you're going to see a lot of these kids if they're coming back for another game, it's going to be that Miami game, and that's a crucial, crucial game for Florida State to show out, and especially with Marvin Jones there as well. Absolutely, that's going to be another one where we are going to be pleading with the fan base: go out, show out, be as loud as you can, show these kids that atmosphere again. It's a rivalry game need to have that fan support out there. It's going to be big. Even, you know, even if the two teams have terrible records, <laughs> still Florida State, Miami still have to show out. Yeah. And, and David, let me, uh, let me help potentially calm some of your fears. Three hours ago, as of this podcast, Sam McCall did tweet out a nice graphic of him in some Florida State gear with a uh, nice emoji. So Hopefully, I'm telling you, know. you, he says all the right things. He says all the right things. There's just something, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. All right. We'll hope that stout spider sense is wrong on that one. But uh, let me let me say this. You know, holding on to commitments is one thing. Locking in commitments from the likes of Elijah Pritchett and Kevin Coleman and even staying in it with uh, Marvin Jones or, or, or Julian Armella, David, how do you even, is it the same exact pitch that you're giving to your, 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 already, your already committed kids that, hey, you're going to be the difference, you're going to be the class, you know, results on the field be danged, uh, we need you and, and you're going to come here and you're going to play right away. Is it the same pitch? Yeah, this is where the worry comes in, right? This is where after Notre Dame, you know, we were we were thinking, man, they could potentially clean up with some of these guys. Now, I mean, <laughs> what do you say to a to a Marvin Jones or a Julian Armella after you just lost to Jacksonville State? I mean, this I think is where that playing time thing kicks in, and and you know, if you really feel like these guys could come in and be in the rotation right off the bat and potentially be in line for a starting position right off the bat. I don't think you're shy in telling them that because I know other schools are telling them that. I know for a fact Elijah Pritchett's getting a hard sell that he's going to play right away at some of the schools that are interested in him, um, particularly USC. And so, you know, I think that you'd be open-minded with that, but this is also where, <clears throat> you know, we're going to find out just how invested Florida State is on the recruiting trail. And I think part of um, why the class has stuck together, I think that shows you that, you know, Florida State is at an investment level that is competitive, which is great. We need that. Um, but to get a kid like Marvin Jones, to get a kid like Elijah Pritchett, Julian Armella, it has to be more than just the family atmosphere. And I think the playing time is the best pitch you can do at this point. And, um, 
you know, you tell those guys, hey, you're going to get three solid years as a starter here. As long as you work hard, you stay healthy, you do the right things. We're going to get you three solid years. And then it's off to the NFL because Alex Atkins is going to develop you into a first round draft pick. Um, to me, that's the pitch with those kinds of guys. And for Marvin Jones Jr., um, you know, I really like that they have not treated him as a legacy. They've treated him as though his dad is not a Florida State legend. Maybe, you know, that that could be kind of a gamble in some people's eyes, but I really like that they did that. Um, so we'll see if they start, you know, leaning a little bit more on the legacy angle. I hope they don't. Um, I hope that they keep the the pitch well with him because what they're doing was working. Um, but again, it's going to be a matter of you're going to be in the rotation really soon and we're going to get film on you. Papuchas is going to develop you. We're going to get you to the NFL just like your dad. So um, I don't know, man, that's that's where the concern comes in is, is these top level guys that they kind of were whale hunting. But at the same time, you have the concern on the flip side of that is where you breathe the sigh of relief because you have locked down so many guys uh, to this point that you still have a great foundation. I mean, even if they round out this class with a bunch of three stars, you're still talking about this is a great class because you've nailed the offensive line, you've nailed quarterback, you've got the best country player in the country coming in, you have another five-star defensive back. I mean, you've really done well um, in terms of that at most of the positions. And then the positions you didn't do well in, you hit the, the JUCO ranks and the transfer portal, and that's how you round things out. So I don't know, man. It, we'll see how it goes, but um, – you know, I always say worry as much as you want to. And I would say that the bulk of my worry would be on these top ranked kids. It's like the Kevin Coleman's, the Elijah Pritchett's, um, the, uh, the Martins, the, you know, I don't, I don't know that Jerron Willis is still a, a thing or not. Who knows with that kid, but you know, different players like that, it, it's going to be, can we see how well Florida state can close on these guys? Yeah. And I just wanted to add there, um, on a positive thing that's actually happening on the field at Florida State is Jermaine Johnson. Uh, I think he's got four and a half sacks on the year. Florida State as a whole has 12. David Hell tweeted out that they only had 10 sacks last year and they've already surpassed that. So from the, from the defensive line. Yeah. 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 Um, so, Josh, I think if there's any massive selling point to Marvin Jones Jr., it's like, look at Jermaine Johnson. That guy, in spite of what uh, despite what this team is doing, he's, he's showing up and, and raising his, his draft stock. Uh, so you can come here and get that same type of coaching and be a star. Yeah. And I think, I think if Florida State's smart without throwing Johnson on the bus, I can say, look, this guy wasn't even starting at Georgia. He came here and now he's a superstar and, and a top NFL draft pick. So in, I think in that, three games. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, a big pitch. And I think one other thing, if they're smart, they're going to say, Hey, the first game, we had everybody healthy and look at us against Notre Dame. We took them down to the wire, went to overtime, we lost. Since then, we've lost our two best offensive linemen, our, you know, and, and, and we've struggled. So, and, and you can't keep Jordan Travis healthy. So, you know, you got you to use something, and hopefully they're, they're thinking like that. And, and I think, you know, they've kept all these kids already, so obviously they weren't over-promising this season too badly. So I think maybe the kids that are uncommitted and – they're probably buying in with the same pitch and it's just going to be, can you show some improvement now the rest of the season? You know, you may not win all these games, but you've got to look better than you have these last couple of games. Yeah. I'm um, glad you brought that up, Tim, because truly the, the pitch with Jermaine Johnson is look what he's done in three games. Imagine what we can do with you in three seasons and then you're yeah. NFL bound. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and they kind of have similar builds and uh, makeups in their game. Let me, uh, let me jump to our recruiting thread. As always on Tomahawk Nation, uh, we have our official recruiting thread that is always active, always near the top. And Josh and David are in there all the time, constantly. Uh, I like to kind of graze like a cow and, and kind of comment here and there. But uh, we, we did have an interesting question from one of our users, WP Starling, besides having an amazing name, uh, he, he asked the question out earlier, um, what's the most important position to get recruits at for this year, in your opinion? And he kind of lists out three different ones. Is it offensive lineman, linebacker, or defensive line? And so, David, let me have you choose one of these positions and tell, let's kind of just have a, a, a made-up argument with each other here. You pick a position and defend why you think it's the most important out of those three. Yeah, this this was a great question. Great question, WP Starlin, because truly, whatever you say is it's not a wrong answer. Everything is a right answer here. Um, so I will pick the. Uh, I'll just go ahead and pick the the one that I've been grousing about the most, and that's linebacker. Um, and I, you know, you see flashes from Kalen Deloach. You see flashes from DJ Lundy. Um, but my goodness, that if you if you were to create a situation where somebody could, you know, if they come in and they're already at a conditioning level and a strength level where you can get them out on the field to get reps and they go in and they do what they're supposed to do and they learn their playbook, you could not ask for a more, you know, pressing situation of if you come in and do the right things, you're going to start probably um, because my goodness gracious, I, that that unit on the team and it just kills me because when you think Florida state, you think of the linebackers who have come through here in the, in the eighties and nineties and two thousands. And you're like, golly, has it really gotten this bad? But um, I think linebackers absolutely crucial in this cycle. You know, again, I think the dream class would be some combination of uh, Omar Graham, who is, who I'm glad that, that uh, Tim and Josh, you guys brought him up. He's, he's underrated. He's playing better than his ranking is. And it's been really cool to see him show out on offense too. Cause you know, he, I'll always have a special place for him in my heart. He was our very first recruit interview on, on this podcast and made such a great impression. So it's really, really cool to, to see Omar doing his thing out there. That's been awesome. Um, so you've got him. And if you could add in a Martin, if you could add in a Willis, if you could add in a Besaint, and some combination of two of those three guys, um, I think you're well on your way to helping flip the room. But I mean, I, transfer portal, junior college, you, you got to scour the ranks and whatever you can do to fix that position. So that's that's my argument on linebacker. Josh, what say you? Uh, first of all, happy birthday to Daniel Martin. So uh, big birthday today. So. Glad you mentioned him there. Um, I got to go offensive line because if you can't keep your quarterback upright, you're screwed. And so far, Florida State's doing well there. But if you can land one of the two of Elijah Pritchett, Julian Armella, then you're doing absolute gangbusters at offensive line. And all of a sudden, you got that offense cooking because there's some skill players there. Malik McClain, you got a Travis Hunter coming in, maybe Kevin Coleman. Uh, the running back position is loaded for Florida State with Treshawn Ward coming out of a, a walk-on situation when all of a sudden he's like an underrated type superstar almost with – the way he's showing out and Lawrence Tofu is going to figure it out. So Florida state's got some skill. They got some skill at the skill positions, but they got to get better depth and more talent at the offensive line position. And that, that's what's happening right now. And that's why I'm going to say it's the most, most crucial for Florida state. Obviously linebackers are very good choice because they get carved up right and left, but 
Florida State's got to keep their quarterbacks upright and healthy, and 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 the only way to do that is have five quality offensive linemen on the field together. All right, Tim, that leaves you with pick number three, defensive line. Tell us why we're both wrong. Oh man, if you look at this season, if there's one thing that's been a standout, it's the defensive line. Uh, Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper, Keir Thomas, Jermaine Johnson. Uh, you've even seen uh, McClendon and uh, even even um, Quishon Fuller. And I know I'm missing a name here. I can't Briggs. think of. There you go, Briggs. This has been the heart of the defense. I think if it wasn't for their success, like this would be even worse. And Jermaine Johnson's going to be gone after this season. Keir Thomas is going to be gone. I, I'm pretty sure Cooper and Lovett are, are probably going to be gone as well. Um, there's, and then what do you have left? That's the scary part. Like on offensive line, you've got a rod or waiting around. You've got Thomas Schrader, who hopefully will be healthy. Uh, maybe Zane Hearing comes around. Mo Smith's still going to be there. Uh, Robert Estes. Scott's do what? Bryson Estes, yeah. Bryson Estes. You've got Robert Scott still. So you've got some pieces there. Um, defensive line, man, once these guys are gone, that next step down, it's, it's a little scary. You know, like I like some names they brought in, like, like Chambray and, and Josh Farmer. They've got some kids, but they don't have a lot of kids. Uh, I think defensive line recruiting has been, especially on the interior, has not been great over the last few years. And um, as we saw last year, when you get zero pressure on quarterbacks, they'll carve you to pieces compared to already seeing uh, the, the pressure that applied this year. So I think defensive line, uh, I mean, let's be honest, all three of these are positions of needs. And, and let's be honest, this is my hot take. I think I'm starting to come around that the most important position for Florida State in this class might be quarterback. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope Chubba Purdy proves me wrong at some point, but uh, until he sees the field and, and, and does something different, I think A.J. Duffy just might be the most important commitment in this class. And I love Travis Hunter, but you guys know that. And just a quick thing. I know a lot of people have been talking like, oh, Kenny Dillingham, Adam Fuller, you got to fire these guys. Well, guess who recruited uh, A.J. Duffy? That's Kenny Dillingham. And a uh, big shout out as well to Ryan Bartow off field. A lot of those guys – you know, you keep saying Ryan Barto getting shout outs. So, you know, a lot of people think, oh, he might be quirky or this or that or whatever, but that guy can freaking recruit. And Kenny Dillingham's a great recruiter as well. So whatever happens offensively, maybe, you know, I don't know who's calling the plays. We still haven't gotten that answer, whether it's Norville or Dillingham, but, you know, you got to keep Dillingham around because the only way you're going to get better is to get better players. That's a, that's a great point. And, uh, <laughs> and very much, proven true on the field this year uh florida state still is struggling and, and check out john marchant uh, on our website he put out a great piece this week explaining like hey mike norvell might not be the long-term coach but you can't fire him because you're just going to set yourself back into this complete cycle uh the 16 class the 17 class the 18 class the 19 class they're all disasters you know, and, and nothing stood out to me more in that Wake Forest game than when, when they, they introduced Sam Hartman as a fourth-year sophomore. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And they talk about all these COVID seniors that they have on there that are basically like fifth and sixth year. I mean, they were there. That was Florida State 
trotting out some 20 year olds playing against like 25 year olds. And, you know, experience is such a huge factor and Florida state does not have that at all. And they've got to keep these kids on campus uh, and they've got to get better players. And, and this is the thing we always see is, Oh, Florida state's more talented than so-and-so. And okay. By recruiting rankings, Florida state has more raw natural talent, but these other teams have better rosters because they've developed players. They've kept players through the entire cycles. They haven't lost guys. And a school like Wake's not going to lose that many guys early to the NFL either. So, you know, their best players are solid college players. And if they stay for three, four, five, six years, they're going to kick your butt. And, oh, by the way, they've had coaching stability. I mean, you know, it's easy to go back and say fire the coaches. But, you know, in the last five years, FSU has had, what, four different offensive coordinators, you know, three or four different defensive coordinators. And yeah, we're in year two of this coaching staff. So I guess we have continuity, but last year was a COVID year. And so really this is their first full off season and spring and summer and fall where they've been able to install their system. And so, you know, you have to remember all of these things and that I'll tell you, that takes a toll on a kid because as Tim said, not only are we trotting out a bunch of 20 year olds against guys who are six year seniors, it's 20 year olds who have not had continuity. You know, it's, it, things are always changing and think back to when you were 20. I mean, you know, how many different playbooks could you learn? And so it's, it's something that you do, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses for guys because at Florida state, there shouldn't be excuses to ever lose to a Jacksonville state or to get blown out by Wake Forest. But facts are facts, and we have to remember those kinds of things. There could be 20 different reasons as to why they're struggling, and when those 20 reasons all hit at the same time, you're going to lose ball games that you shouldn't lose. Yeah, and it's not just getting the kids in, in, you know, in the meeting room and teaching them. It's also kind of learning the personalities and how a kid learns best and how he reacts to certain types of coaching, and you can't do that over Zoom. So, like, you're – they're really kind of meeting these kids, a lot of these kids for the first time and kind of figuring out what makes them tick and how they're going to respond in this situation and that situation. And, and it's, you know, as you said, like you're not trying to absolve the coaches of blame, but there's a lot of factors that go into this. Yep. Speaking of consistency, let me direct everybody to Tomahawk Nation through the official recruiting thread. I've been at Tomahawk Nation now for, I don't know, like six or seven years. And David Stout's been there longer. David's been there forever. I think he was created by the website uh, and, and molded into the perfect mod, but he's always in the recruiting thread. Josh, who I think was probably the second creation for Tomahawk Nation. Uh, with, he's a cyborg. He's got every link, everything possible, but if there is Florida State uh, recruiting news, we will have it in that thread. We would love to answer your questions and, and help talk all things Florida State recruiting leave us a line in there. Let us know how the pod's going. Check us out on Apple Podcasts. Leave us uh, five stars. Give us a, uh, a like or listen, subscription, whatever. Check out our counterparts, Triple Option, also the Seminole Wrap. We are trying to bring you all the Florida State news as we have it, giving you something that you're not getting elsewhere. Uh, but more than anything, Lord have mercy, we've got to keep climbing. Well, and the other thing is we got to talk about official visits right quickly for this oh, weekend. Oh, let me let me take a step back. I'm sorry. I, I should have looked at you, Josh. You would have given me that that glimmer in your eye. But go ahead, Josh. Let's talk about who's coming in for I hope a victory over Louisville. Yeah, and and again, we've we've said it, you know, ad nauseum here that Florida State's gonna keep pitching these kids like, hey, look, the product on the field's not all that good. And 
we weren't here to recruit these kids and there's some major holes in the field that you come in, you've got a chance to, you may not start right away, but you have a very good chance to start. And if nothing else, you've got a very good chance at playing time, your true freshman season. And a couple kids that are coming in are four-star linebacker, Wesley Bassaint, and then uh, four-star cornerback Earl Little. And uh, David, take it away, man. Yeah. So, and we, we didn't, we chose not to spend too much time on that for this podcast because um you know, FSU is, is definitely sitting in second place at best for both of these guys. Um, Earl Little Jr. is being personally recruited to Alabama by Nick Saban. Oh, by the way, he is the defensive back guru, in addition to probably the best coach in college football history. So you don't like to bet against those odds. Um, and then Wesley Besaint, uh has long been a Florida State-Miami battle, but since both programs are kind of slipping a little bit, there's been some speculation that some other teams are creeping in there. Um, I don't buy it. I still think it's a Florida State Miami battle. Um, personal opinion, I think Florida State finishes in second place for both of these guys. But as we have been stressing time and again, with the transfer portal and uh, the eligibility rules changing, finishing second place is no longer first loser. Um, you have to make an impact on every single one of these kids, regardless of if you get them or not. Um, so if an Earl Little Jr. goes to Alabama, um, ends up that he, you know, has to be asked to take a red shirt or he's not playing or something like that, come on back to Florida State, young buck. Uh, Wesley Besaint goes down to Miami, uh, sits in Manny Diaz's office for the first time, not being recruited by Manny Diaz and realizes how much of a goofball Manny Diaz is and how obsessed Manny Diaz is with Florida State. Uh, Flor you know, Manny Diaz can't seem to keep FSU out of his head or his, his mouth. And maybe Wesley says, hey, you know what? I like Florida State too. So I'm going to go to Florida State. Um, but again, it's, it's important to, to make a good impression on these guys with both of them. Um, they are both excellent, uh, outstanding players who could both play very early for FSU. So I will just about guarantee you that Travis Hunter will be there uh, with them as their, their Sherpa down on the sideline. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if FSU brings in some other pretty vocal guys um, to be surrounded, uh, to have those guys surrounded with as well. So, um, you know, anything changes, we'll definitely let you guys know. But at this point, um, would advise nobody to get their hopes up with either of those two guys. And four-star basketball player Deontay Green from up in Asheville, North Carolina, going to be down in Tallahassee this weekend as well. So hopefully the Florida State football team can uh, give them a show because the last time that the basketball team had some official visitors, uh, Cameron Corrin came out of that weekend and committed to Florida State. So maybe, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a thing where basketball and football work together. And when football is good, that helps out basketball and vice versa. Yeah, my dog is like totally freaking out and, and agrees with Josh. So you have a corgi support, Josh. It's about time somebody. Yeah, let me just say that finishing out, Basanth and Little are both guys that if they were to commit to Florida State could day one be pushing for the starting role 100%. at their respective positions. So again, that sales pitch has got to be what Florida State's pushing. All right, now. Josh, I'm sorry. Anything else I need to say before I, I, I sign us off? No, sir. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you to David Stout. Thank you to Josh Pick. Check us out on Tomahawk Nation. We are the three stars, the Florida State of Recruiting, and let's keep climbing.